Welcome, welcome. Friction Log is, is back in 2024. We have uh, a few interesting topics that we want to talk about. Uh, Rick, how are you? Good, man. Good to see you. It's been a while. It's been a minute. I know, right? I mean, not that we don't talk or send messages, but it's been a while since you and I have been uh, playing around with technology, figuring out what, what we want to do, and then... I don't know. Do you feel like we have use cases and then we try new technology or do we have new technology and then we try to find use cases? Yeah, I think it's both. I, I like <laughs> that's the thing, right? With with software engineering and coding and just there's the hobby part of it. And the hobby part of it is oh, we have tech, let's go try stuff, right? Or new approaches or new algorithms or new products or whatever. So there is that like, oh, I want to try this out. But then me personally, kind of the product part of the side of me is like, there's always something to try out. I wonder if this is an itch that, you know, could be scratched. So it, it's kind of both, right? <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. Um, and then we're, we're getting into the AI. Um, I don't think we ever did one episode about AI. I think we did a lot of uh, developer tools and stuff like that. But now, like... I mean, probably we tried GitHub Copilot. Uh, I think you were on the beta. Yeah. And then we did some... Yeah experiments there but other than that um this is all new so uh if you're just getting started with ai then uh you're gonna learn a few things if you know stuff hopefully we, we also um have enough content for you um where do we start man there's so many things to start with i mean i, I kind of feel like if you haven't played with ai in the last year you've missed like 10 years of technology <laughs> going on it's so crazy man it's like every True. week this new thing's out, and oh my goodness, it revolutionizes what we already thought. We, uh, it's crazy. Um, the uh, I mean, I've been I've been a part of a lot of things going on. I, I know you went to the Microsoft AI tour. Um, I, I'm actually really curious about that. I, I would love to go to one. Um, I've been following on it, but uh, when was that? That was like last week or two weeks. So yeah, it was uh, January. Yeah, January 11 in San Francisco. Um, Mm -hmm. Uninteresting item. I decided not to drive down there. I took the train. There's a train that goes from Sacramento into, uh, I think it's Richmond, and then you take the BART and stuff like that, um, and got a lot of stuff done while working. Um, I wouldn't do it as a commute, but for a one-time thing, trying something different, it was good. Uh, I was on Moscone yeah. West, and I think last time I was there, it was probably back in WWDC 2015. It's been a while since I've been there. I mean, nothing changes. It's still the same uh, convention center, but it was it was nice. Um, what did you imagine Microsoft would do as an AI tour? Um, as a tour, I don't know. As a conference, I imagine it's just Azure, Azure, Azure. Azure AI is somewhere probably mentioned 5 million times. It's probably what it is. And it's like, you know... It, <laughs> first of all they are doing cool stuff so i, I i'm a little it sounds like i'm kind of bashing it but it is kind of funny that it's like everybody that's a startup gets their knuckles raked for saying oh i'm gonna build this in ai and some vc goes well, that's a rapper where's your moat and da, 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 da. and that's literally what like 90 percent of microsoft stuff is just wrappers around open ai and some others it's like you guys aren't bashing them and by the way, they're worth more than Apple right now. So a lot of that has to do with the AI boost. So they get a pass for building quote unquote wrappers. Actually, we can talk about that. I don't actually believe a lot of that kind of VC 
uh, speak on like, oh, where's your moat and where's your this, but we can talk about that later. But yeah, I imagine Azure AI is mentioned 500 million times. That's 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 what I would guess. <laughs> and just with AI, you don't build anything from scratch. You're always wrapping something else, right? Like whether it's a framework, whether it's an SDK, where it's a like programming language, like you're always wrapping around something and then you create value, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. it, like not Perfect everything sense. has to be built from scratch. There is a lot of niche use cases or, or big use cases that you can just use the tools out there and pretty much get something up and running, um, which was yeah. interesting. And I hear, um, I didn't hear a lot of use cases at the AI tour, but I was firstly surprised by um, the company that was co-sponsoring the Microsoft AI tour um, that had like a good chunk, like any good conference, it was a one day thing. So there was a keynote and then there was uh, probably like four or five, uh, time blocks of either sessions or labs that you can go into either. But within the keynote, probably like 30% was dedicated to NVIDIA. NVIDIA was co-sponsoring that, which to me was interesting. Like I know That's everything kind of like runs on that. Uh, I just didn't know they were so into like, oh, we want to, we want we want you guys to see us that we're kind of like powering Azure or whatever you want to call it. So that was um, that was the first surprises. And then, of course, it's no surprise, but yes, a lot of it was Azure, 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 but there was a lot of GitHub as well, um, oh, right? Yeah, so right. it was it was sense. for developers, yeah. right? So those mm-hmm. were the, I, I guess, the three things. It was Azure, GitHub, and NVIDIA. Um, I didn't quite get any value proposition from NVIDIA other than, hey, when I select my workers, when I'm training a model or something, I probably want to use um, NVIDIA's process, uh, NVIDIA's graphics. It's like, that's it. <laughs> it's curious. Yeah. So like NVIDIA, like as the sponsor is like a co-run sponsor is kind of what it was more. Yeah. That's, it, was, that's interesting. it was like that. The, you know, there's, I got to touch on something though, real quick. So you telling about the, the story of you taking the BART, you know, from wherever you're at Sacramento trained BART to, to Moscone. Um, that's the one thing being in Florida. I'm in Jupiter, Florida. I love Jupiter, Florida. I love Florida. It's like, it's just me. Um, and I, I've always loved going out to the Bay Area, you know, back in the accelerator days, right? I was, I was going out there once a month. Um, I love doing that, but I love coming back to Florida. But I got to say, um, not working in a Silicon Valley company for a few years, I miss... I'm missing some of that AI stuff that's going on because like San Francisco is the center of all this AI startup stuff going on. And, um, and I, it's like, I kind of want to be there. <laughs> like I have a little bit of FOMO because of that. <laughs> uh, and even here, I mean, driving, it could be anywhere from like an hour 15 to two hours and a half, right. Depending on traffic mm-hmm. and whatnot. Train probably took me like two hours, 15 or so. So in a, Good traffic day, the train would be stupid to take. Uh, but in a bad day, it's not a bad idea, right? And I mean, it has little tables. It's just an Amtrak train. So um, you can be working on that. I got a, some of the stuff that I'm working on um, done there. Um, so it was good. But yes, even like being, I don't know, 80 miles, 60 miles, I don't know, away from it, I still don't get that. I Not that I'm in the same place as you are because time zones and whatnot. 
but I, I getting a little FOMO of like, hey, here's this whole revolution going on. Uh, and it was good. It was good to be there. Even if this uh, event was, uh, it was for developers, but you can tell it's Microsoft. So there was a lot of enterprise developers. And, yeah, and yeah, right. Uh, how do they call it? ISVs, like um, the service mm-hmm. vendors or the, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a lot of that going on. Not, not uh, developers. So, yeah. So, okay, here's a question. Because it's that framing and that context, was a lot of the content like introductions? Like, this is what a hallucination is, and this is what a brag is, and this is what was – was it a lot of like intro to those things, or they get into nitty-gritties on like this is how rag's being completely changed by these things, or lang- did lang chain and in, 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 in Llama index and stuff, did they even get brought up? You know, I'm, I'm just yeah. really curious, like the difference between that and the like the AI conference that Sean at Swix, you know, put together a couple months yeah. ago. I'm really curious. There was a little bit of everything, right? The keynote was mostly around what's new with AI, right? So it was a lot mm-hmm. of focus on rack, there was a lot of focus on system prompts, there was a lot of focus on vector search. Um, with kind of like a a one-minute definition. Here is what a hallucination is, but then that's it. And then there was probably like I don't know, like five or six rooms jo- uh, running at the same time, so you could get different mm-hmm. different topics all the way from basics, like hey, what's up with GitHub Copilot, versus like going deep into vector search, right? So there was a little bit of everything, and then I would say the labs were. Um, introductory or beginner and may like most of it intermediate but that was about it there wasn't anything deep and it was like a self-guided lab so there was there was not a lot you, you basically had like somebody helping you in case you get got stuck but um that was um i would say that would be the gist of the event uh a ton of focus on fabric do you know what fabric is mm. microsoft fabric. i have no no i don't know what that is what is that like there used to be a fabric uh, that was like the fabric that people used in mobile. Remember the fabric SDK in mobile, which is like the analytics and all that. What happened to Twitter that? Twitter bought them. Twitter, Twitter I think, bought, bought them. them. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So not that, obviously. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like Microsoft's offering of a data analytics platform. Um, not with the twist of AI, but basically... Think about it like data breaks, right? But now okay. it's Microsoft's product. You do data engineering. You can train your models there. Um, it's it's a lot of fish, a lot of efficiencies around moving data all over the place and just keeping it one place and then access it in many different ways. So I see it as a very close competitor to um, data breaks, and then it has like some synapse, um, which. Probably a lot of enterprise folks know what they are. I don't really, I never experienced the, the Synapse products and apparently you can get them on Azure. Um, so a lot of analytics and things like that on top of it. So there was there was a couple of, uh, I would say, uh, call outs to Microsoft Fabric as here's the data analytics platform for the um, era of AI. And they were, they were like touching in selling their products, right? So um, that's what that is. Interesting. So, okay. That's interesting. So, okay. So let's back up for a second. So you mentioned Copilot was mentioned a bunch. So I'm curious. And then you just mentioned Microsoft Fabric. Um, 
there obviously those are two separate things but if they were they both in the same keynote or were they I, i'm just curious how they approach from a one day thing how do you approach like we're gonna brag about github copilot they probably brought up all those stats they've been saying like 90% better code, blah, 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 blah. Like I heard that at the GitHub um, conference. I actually wrote <laughs> one for you. 46% of new code is written with AI. It doesn't say GitHub Copilot, right? But it, they did say that, I don't know how they come up with this number, but almost half of the code in the world right now is being written uh, with AI, which it kind of makes sense because a lot of, I want to, Think on enterprises that don't feel comfortable just enabling Copilot, thinking that their data is going to go somewhere or stuff like that. Like, yeah, right. But how do you come up with that number? I have no idea. But they did mention that that little fact. <laughs> what does that even mean? New Copilot? Yeah, that's interesting, huh? Okay, so they're talking, but so how did they talk about GitHub Copilot in the context of of this? Because it, like, I'm, GitHub Copilot is a prosumer slash developer whatever whatever you want to call it product which is very different than something that you build your own ai on which sounds like microsoft fabric would be your data warehouse or data i don't know data bricks kind of stuff or like those are very different ai things so did they have very different sessions on them or did they like merge it together i say that let me tell you why i'm asking this question because i've noticed on the enterprise level and some of these conferences they're just kind of merging all of these ai things and they're not really thinking about it from a product perspective they're very different things that do very different things and it's like let me just vomit everything i know about ai right now i'm that that's where i'm coming from that's why i'm asking about like the juxtaposition of those two things so let me see i'm I'm trying to bring this from memory so they start bragging about GitHub Copilot, right? And GitHub Copilot mm-hmm. for business, which is the offering where your private repos are not are, are not fitting the main Copilot uh, model, but you have kind of like your own uh, tweaks and whatnot, right? Um, so they mm-hmm. start with that. And then they kind of like pivot into, hey, but you can use Microsoft Copilot Studio to build your own Copilots, which to me now they're starting to use the word Copilot as bot. Right, like build your own bot powered by AI, and they're calling it Copilot. Yeah. Um, so yeah. basically, extend the basic Copilot experience, which we made a, a basic product, and kind of like give it more context around what you want to do. Um, and that's how they brought it into into the mix of like, hey, here's what we did, which is GitHub Copilot, and here's the success that it has had, and now we're giving you the tools so you can go and build your own Copilots for different use cases. Um, that's how I would sum it up, or at least how I remember it, which is probably the important piece. But this is the Microsoft 365 Copilot, or they mix that with the GitHub Copilot? Or they're saying, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not tracking on all of that. Exactly. Right. So the bragging was about (laughs) GitHub Copilot and then they turn all the way to like Microsoft 365 Copilot and say, hey, now we're doing this in a broader scale that it is not just developer focused, but kind of like attached to your Windows experience. All right. Or your Microsoft Edge, if you use the browser, right? Or Bing, for that matter, if you use another browser, right? That's probably the three interfaces where you can get to um, 365 Copilot. Um, And then from there, it's like, 
By the way, there is also Microsoft Copilot Studio, which I believe is an actual product. I haven't used it, but it's supposed to take that baseline and allow you to build your own copilots, bringing back the point, bots with AI, right? That, that, that's how I took it. Mm. Interesting. There was an example about, um, for example, when they were talking about GitHub Copilot, they were talking about like, hey, there are three main use cases that we see. One is learn about your code, right, which is basically the explain um, capability, and then create new code, and then refine or optimize new um, uh, existing code, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. Which I don't think there was anything new, but it was like a little demo on like a few things. And, you know, you have the typical developer relations um, person that obviously their job is not to learn TypeScript, for example, but they kind of like start, like they're very good at talking and they're like, well, I don't know anything about TypeScript and I'm just going to mm -hmm. ask a pilot to help me do it. And of course it works and blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's still, um, it's still a live demo, but definitely GitHub Copilot will will get it better than some of us back in the day when we had to prep our own demos live. Um, so um, that was it. That was uh, that was how they were kind of like moving that and saying, hey, we have AI everywhere and you can come and build stuff with us. And, um, and here's where we're targeting with Copilot 365, right? Mm, that's interesting. That I, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen that obviously or the 365 AI stuff. I just like from a product perspective, blurring all that with GitHub Copilot is weird to me. I don't know. It's like there's a messaging thing, a consistency thing that right now the bigger companies are just throwing AI into like a smorgasbord and it's hard to figure out what's a product and what's some VP's idea of AI and whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, side note. On GitHub Copilot, um, have you tried Cursor, cursor.sh? I have it downloaded, and I tried it a little bit, but I haven't spent a lot of time with it. But I know you have. Uh, give me oh, the yeah. gist. It's awesome. Five minutes. So, <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, download it. Try it out. Um, it's, it's a fork of VS Code. Um, it literally, you can open it up and you can import all of your VS Code settings and extensions. So it's, it's literally VS Code. So you're not losing anything other than if you use a couple of the Microsoft plugins. I can't remember what they are. They, they don't work on Copilot, but whatever. Um, so I guess if you're stuck in Azure, maybe there's some things that are you'll miss, but it's a, it's a code editor. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. so what they do is they use ChatGPT or OpenAI's models. You can actually provide your own key. And so as long as you're like, my key has access to all the, the models, um, like ChatGPT4 Turbo and all that. So you can use your own key and then you're just paying for open AI usage that way versus going through their, their thing. Um, anyway, what is interesting about what they're doing is they're doing some better UX around it. It's way better experience than um, Copilot is when it comes to the prompt stuff versus like this window that comes to the side and then you like you can do it in line. You can select certain things. It'll show you a diff as it's writing out the code. I know Copilot is starting to do that, GitHub Copilot, with their extension, but it's nowhere near as nice. And it's nowhere near as sophisticated, it feels like anyway, um, with how they're doing the context and they're indexing your code and, and bringing in the right kind of context when you ask for things and stuff. Um, 
it, it's just a really good experience. I really like it. I just go check it out. And, and some of the new stuff that they're doing, um, that they're adding to it, I think is it's the right direction. I, I don't know if they'll beat Microsoft GitHub, you know, the, the Copilot extension in the long run, but right now it's it's superior. Um, okay. Honestly, even That's the fair. OpenAI you said- stuff is superior. I think like GitHub Copilot will give you crap stuff sometimes and what i've like i've tested it like you know you start typing and it fills out like oh this is the rest of your function so i'm like okay give me that select it paste or cut it so it's out of the context and then i'll hit command k and cursor and say write me a function that and then open ai's version then writes it right there and it's almost always better than what copilot spit out that's fair. That's fair. And you say you can bring your OpenAI key or you can buy through them, right? Like, because they have like, yeah. I think they have like a limited number of prompts and then you can buy it. Okay. We should uh, yeah. definitely have the link to the, uh, to the notes. I mostly for work, we do have Copilot for business. So I use VS Code there and I actually use PyCharm, uh, having working in some mm-hmm. fast API work. So, uh, with the, exp- the extension on GitHub Copilot, I think it works nice. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere as close to VS Code, but it is okay. Uh, and then I also install an extension on Xcode called Copilot for Xcode, which you you mm-hmm. kind of like log in with your GitHub account and then it gives you some suggestions. That one is probably the worst. Um, but then again, Xcode is probably the best if you're building on on mobile. Everything that I have seen of Swift support into VS Code is more like Swift on the server, not um, yeah, Swift right. UI and stuff like that. So. Um, that that's where I have been, but I'll definitely give uh, Cursor um, a try, even in one of the experiments that we that we can do in the next few weeks. Um, that'll be cool. All right, um, I like it. Cursor S H. Um, okay, going back, um, I want to say what I've read in between lines is they are worried about hallucinations and the impact of hallucinations in either your customers or your organization. Mm. And it's, it's almost like when you used to go to a conference, whatever conference about X technology, and it's almost like in every single session, they like, let's say you go to a JavaScript conference, right? And every single session, there was a little nudge that say, Hey, by the way, handle your exceptions properly. Like there was a lot of like handling, um, like making sure that you use system prompt to limit the, the uh, output of your um, chat interface, uh, the context. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of that, which seems to be a, amazing because when you or when I were learning different technologies throughout the years, error handling and exceptions and, and kind of like how things go bad um, there was not any of that, right? Like it was just like, hey, go and build stuff. Here's what it is used for. Here's the cool things that we're working on. And then if it breaks, if your whole system falls down, then I mean, pay us for support, whatever, right? But mm-hmm. with AI, I think the difference is, or at least what I what I got from from the AI tour was like, hey, really focus on making this right. Like, like kind of like saying, hey, it's. With great power comes great responsibility uh, mm-hmm. is is how they will put it. So I thought that was very interesting. A lot around the system prompts, like when you're building a copilot, just give it those boundaries. Um, a lot of um, vector search and rags. There was a lot of that, um, and then of course, so what do they? Sure. What 
Well, let's talk about vector search and rag. I'm curious in a Microsoft AI tour, what kind of rag stuff, number one, are they, what were they talking about? And number two, were they talking about any technologies? Because there's so many different, like Langchain and, and Lama Index and, and some others that are influencing, experimenting with rag stuff. There's all this, all this experimentation going on with different companies. Like what, what, what direction did they go with rag? Uh, it was, I would say that one, they kept them. I didn't go into any of the deep dive sessions. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like telling you the surface of it. Um, they basically explain it as like, hey, vector search is searching by concept, right? So, and it doesn't matter the language. They talk a lot about like multilingual uh, searches, right? Like, hey, you have a you have a chat interface. And then I actually start typing in Spanish uh, and he was responding I would say correctly. Um, I, I, I don't think <laughs> you would say correctly. Okay, better than my I mean, Spanish it, when I respond. <laughs> I mean, you're about the same, probably. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, with Spanish, you never know, right? So uh, it's not because you have so many variations of it. Um, so sometimes you can see that the model was fed with Spanish from Spain, and sometimes you see Spanish from Latin America, and that's where you see the big differences, um, I would funny. say. But they um, kept vector search as, hey, this is the concept search, right? Uh, and the idea is you're going to find answers. Um, the models are natively multilingual, Um so they kept it at that level, just trying to explain you what it means, because I think it's one of those con- concepts that it takes a little bit of time to to get, precisely because coming from an engineering background, the co- whole concept of search has always been a problem, right? A difficult problem to solve. So um, that's the notes that I have from from that experience. Got it. Did they did they tout any? products at all in, in Azure that are for RAG or vector search? Uh, it there... was all, it was within the AI studio, right? That's where you could, uh, AI studio. so I think the URL is ai.azure.com um, and that is Azure AI studio. Uh, and I think you just need a, a Microsoft. Uh, so it talks about, about speech, vision, language, um, again, responsible AI, content safety. Uh, there is a Nasher AI SDK, and I'm just looking at the web page uh, real quick. Yeah, I'm looking at um, it too. I'm I'm really curious so, actually. Where? Okay. Uh, you could use any models in their AI studio. So you can use Llama. You can use any of the Open AI. They had a ton. There was like Databricks Dolly. Um, so there is a whole like model catalog of things that you could do. Um, there was a whole prompts. There was uh, around rack and vector search. The demos were, hey, you already have your data somewhere in Azure. We're going we're gonna to tell you how you can fit it into a particular uh, GPT interface that you're working on. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. They're, I got to say, their documentation stuff, they have a lot of documentation, but it's just so hard to look at. I, it, I, it offends my, my, I don't know, my taste, my design taste. Like, there's a really small font. It reminds me of IBM a lot. Like, little tiny fonts, <laughs> not easy to look at. They put it on a dark background because, hey, developers like dark backgrounds, right? But it's just not, 
it's just not right, you know? <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, I think we need to mention both of us work at some point at IBM. So, yes, I <laughs> Right. It's like, it's like, here's all the information. Hopefully, you find the little spot, the little square that you are looking for, and then you click, and then, yes, it's like they have good examples. They, they have good stuff. It's just the way that it is presented is overwhelming um, because they're not a niche. They're not trying to solve something specifically. They're trying to solve everything for you. So I don't know. Um, yeah, and a lot of good. times, too, it's uh, like I, we just need to get the – we need to check a box. Let's get this out, check a box, and then – yeah, that's true. Okay. See what well, they, they have stuff I, on I, here about full text search, RAG, approaches to RAG and Azure AI search. So they do have some stuff on here. That's interesting. Yep. All right, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, I don't think it's a waste of time. I think they are trying to... I mean, Microsoft has changed so much. Like, if you asked me like mm-hmm. 10 years ago, would you have been talking like that or, uh, or feel excited about yeah. going to the Microsoft AI tour? I would have said no. Yeah, That's, I totally well, agree. Actually, it happened, right? You and I were in the mobile revolution. Microsoft yeah. was was not something that we were looking at at all. Like, Xamarin came up, and I remember working with some teams that had, like, some Xamarin work, but I was never exciting. And now they switch on that. They still have the big all-corporation uh, way to present things, I would say, but it's a lot more exciting. And I think a lot of that came from, um, yes, of course, leadership and whatnot, but also I, I see some of that GitHub culture, kind of like, getting into Microsoft as opposed to what we thought when GitHub was bought by them that we say, well, probably GitHub is, is going to become, uh, what was that? Uh, TFS team foundation, whatever Microsoft's. Oh GitHub yeah. Or GitHub. yeah it was horrible. <laughs> I forgot about that. You think, yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about the, some of the stuff that they've, they've brought to the table, which is TypeScript, you've got GitHub copilot, you've got VS code, um, it's people, I think, forget how much they're using Microsoft nowadays. Um, whereas in the, t- you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, like you tried to use as least amount of Microsoft as possible in, at least in the mobile side, but even in, on the server dev side, like when Node.js was on the rise and stuff, like you just didn't use their stuff and you're using Atom or whatever, <laughs> it just... But they, they kind of gateway drugged everybody with VS Code, and then they bought GitHub, and GitHub's great still, and Copilot's pretty good. So um, they've, like, silently won everybody over, whether they realize it or not. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, they have a lot of, like, I have seen a lot of programs for startups. Like, you get a ton of Azure credits, like, way more than you would get from AWS. Um, I see more traction towards Azure than AWS. Um, definitely GCP is probably gone. <laughs> like, like I don't know anybody actually engaging with that platform other than if you're there. Um, but I see a lot of Azure activity, um, which I didn't expect, to be honest. Um, but here we are. Um, so um, I guess that's... Uh, I did a couple of laps. I don't have a lot of notes around that. Um, what else? Um, yeah, so let's talk about the labs. So I'm actually curious because you said they're hands-on labs or they kind of let you off 
to your own devices. How do they manage labs? Because I've been to a few and they're either lecture based, which is not a lab by definition. Um, but I've seen those. And then I've seen them more like hackathon type of things where they're labs, but you have to do so many things and then you go off and do it and you come back and then like, how, how do they manage the labs in this, in this AI tour? It's a difficult question. I wish I remember the URL. If uh, I remember, I will post it somewhere. Um, so got into the lab, they had a QR code that you scan. That QR code was a link to a website. The website will, um, they will actually give you a remote desktop interface, right? So it will be on the browser, but you will access a Windows machine, right? Um, that one with, will preload. And the first thing you had to do was log in. And they actually gave us like a username and password. Um, I don't know if it was unique, but because uh, imagine the interface was your 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 uh, how do you call it the the viewer into the virtual machine right and then mm -hmm. on the right there was the instructions uh within the instructions there was like a username and password again i don't know if it was unique password or not and you kind of like sign up for a trial like so you will actually hold it have the whole experience um so you did that there was no email confirmation blah 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 and then you get into um fabric i think was one of the ones that i that i did right so then you log in into fabric you activate your trial and then all the time you always have on the right you have the instructions right and the, like you could be typing uh there was a little bit of sql and mostly python um and if you couldn't or if it was too much typing you can always just click a little button and then it will paste it and then for the most part, it was all pre-built. So I think they just manage everything through uh, VMs. And then when you sign up for a trial account, I guess they just have, I don't know if they use like spare machines or, or like have dedicated mm -hmm. clusters for the training, but overall was in slow. Um, I didn't see any capacity on the machines that were running the workloads. Um, there was a lot of like open uh, public data, I would say like, the diabetes uh, demographics database that mm -hmm. I think it's available to everyone on Azure. Yeah. Um, so it was like an Azure container. Uh, so we use that, um, some correlations, some graphs, some uh, some of the Python libraries to do some of that. Uh, and mainly the two that I did were like notebooks, right? That's that's why like it was like Jupyter notebooks. Um, and I never used Jupyter notebooks that much, but I have used them and I use them on Databricks. Um, notebooks and Fabric was the same, which I, I think there must have been very interesting conversations between Azure Databricks and Azure Fabric because Databricks actually brands their product when it's running on Azure in a different way than with the, the, when they do it in AWS. And if these two products mm -hmm. compete, if you ask me today which one is better, <laughs> I will probably ask ChatGPT to to give me some <laughs> because, <I> <laughs> just tell me what it is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, or which one should you pick? I don't know. I don't know which one is more expensive. I think at the end of the day, they are just going back to the beginning. They're wrappers around PySpark, right? To run workloads on on yep. large amounts of data. So they're they're both the same. So I assume that they're. They're about the same. I mean, Databricks has Unity Catalog and some of their things in there, um, but both of them support like things like MLflow for your machine learning models and things like that. So I don't know, um, but 
that was that was the lab experience, I would say. Mm. Okay, interesting. Did you notice the little thumbs up bubble that came? I from- saw that. You know, I I turned that off. It's cool that Apple's added that, but when you're in meetings, like I've literally had that before, where I've like done something like if you do two thumbs up like, it's like yeah, the laser yeah. light thing and it's yeah, like the worst know. possible time and it goes shoo, 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 shoo. i'm like oh my goodness no yeah like, there, you okay, go. there you go that one yeah i don't there's a laser light one too i don't know how to trigger that but i turned it off it, it's cool until you actually do it and it distracts everybody um yeah i go. i actually i'd work it, there you go lasers oh. <laughs> all right man uh so what's next so there are more ai tours um there are more ai tours there was one in london october 19 2023 there was the one in san francisco there's one in like mm. well at the time of that we're recording in five days january 25th in new york uh and then it goes international again uh india france germany and south korea um, for developers and there are some other dates i guess for uh decision makers and then one for decision makers and developers uh, in australia japan brazil i don't know um, decision makers. Of, uh, uh, yeah. is that actually how it's framed it's worded decision maker yeah i'll put the link on the on the notes but yeah it's it's three sections. The first one, I was going from the developers one, so I was going from the bottom. Um, the first one says decision makers and developers, Australia, Japan, and Brazil. And then there's one that decision makers, and it's like so, four so four. Um, are you a decision maker? A funny, I mean, it's just a funny, funny wording. I like a decision maker, meaning like a manager person, decision making, like I'm a developer, so decision maker. They make decisions every line of code that they write. Um, I just, I, I'm hung up on decision maker. It's just a really funny word. Uh, I know. It's, I, I just like think you it reduce, means whoever signs the checks. Yeah, yeah, I, no doubt. No doubt that's what it means. It's just a funny way of wording it. It's like, the, yeah, there's two pe- types of people in the world. There's decision makers and there's developers, and that's what this conference is for. <laughs> I, I mean, even that has changed at Microsoft, right? Like that that twist that, that that is not Microsoft. Like they would have put five or ten years ago executives, right? Like technology yeah, leaders right. or something like that, right? Like these decision right. makers, or I don't know, they make you feel empowered, I guess. Um, so yeah, yeah. fair um, enough. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. funny. So okay, here's a question: If I go to one of these, like there's one in the New York, if I decide I want to go to the one in New York, what should I do? Where where do you think I should go? Knowing what you know about me, like I would get something out of it. I think you will be bored by labs, to be honest, because <laughs> okay. it's just following labs. following stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. it's like y- you will probably. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you would enjoy. I I was okay because Fabric was new and blah blah blah, and it's kind of like related to Databricks, but you don't do any of that. So I'll probably just stay within the sessions, um, and then I'll probably go into deeper ones. There were some things like about like what's new on generative AI, right? And they were talking about. Let me see. Um, they were talking about things that are 
I would say a little bit abstract, not not deep dive that I wish maybe I should have taken a different one. They were talking about like, oh, we're three things that we're focusing on is ubiquity, multimodality, and autonomy, right? Um, and giving you all this background about LLMs that they don't continuously learn. And there was a demo and stuff like that. Um, that was that introduction with Vector Search uh, and then Azure AI Speech Studio. So a little bit of a demo. It was not bad, but I think you probably want to go to the next one. And they do frame some as beginners and intermediate and advanced talks. Mm-hmm. Right. I would probably tell you to go, if you have four sessions, go to two intermediates and two advanced. Even if you don't understand them, you will still get value out of it because they definitely play it uh, play it down. Um, so that's what you should do if you decide to go to New York and freeze yourself in a few days. Yeah, I don't know about the freezing. It's everything's cold up north. Oh my goodness! It's a beautiful day here, man. It's like sixty-eight degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, I hate you. beautiful blue skies. <laughs> oh, you're in Sacramento. It's nice. <laughs> it's raining, and it's fifteen degrees Celsius. I don't know. I I gotta do this. Ice. That's nice. Uh, I gotta do this. It's fifty-nine. And there is a drizzle going on. Um, I always have to change my temperature because if I'm talking to my parents in Mexico, they don't understand Fahrenheit. If I'm talking to somebody in the U.S., then it's uh, then it's Fahrenheit. I don't know. Um, it's the one thing on measurement that I will give to the U.S. Though uh, I don't, I will never accept miles or feet or anything like that. Fahrenheit as as a temperature. I think it's very accurate. It's better than, it's more accurate than Celsius at least. So I don't know. Hot take. That's funny. <laughs> hot take from Cesar. I, I get that. <laughs> that makes sense. Cause I'm on the way with meters and, and the meter metric system and all that. I, I would prefer, I just like, you know, one, 10, 100, a thousand. It's just very easy to, to grok in your head, you know, weight as well. Right. Pounds. versus kilos Mm -hmm. so yes so that's better temperature is the one where between 36 and 37 celsius there is like i don't know there's like four or five fahrenheit then then you feel the difference between those two so i don't know i feel like that one is a little bit more accurate than therefore um i'll give it to to the u.s but um i was thinking of just building a quick app that actually has the side by side because i use the apple weather app and it and every other app that I have tried, it's always like one one um, unit type, right? And I was like, maybe yeah. I should just build one with a couple. And then I go, I, I look into the app store and there is a few. So I'll probably just download one of those. There's or a few. Yeah, a few meaning like a thousand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Including a ton of ads and whatnot. So I'll probably, uh, I don't know. There is a framework for, from after Apple bought, uh, what was that? Carol the weather, weather or what uh, it was? dark, uh, dark sky, right? Dark sky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Dark sky. They, I think they opened some APIs for weather and whatnot. I don't know. I might check it out just for fun. Um, finding use cases, I guess. Temperature yeah, it's their weather kit. They rolled it under the weather kit stuff now. So it's like they, they sunset, dark sky, all that. And then all those APIs are now under the weather kit thing. So, and they, they mostly work. They go down a decent amount. Um, but I'm serious. They really do. They, they're, but they work. <laughs> <laughs> Not reliably. Uh, cool. 
What else? Anything else you want to know about the AI tour? Or are you ready to go or not go? If I find those links about the labs, I'll send it to you and you can try to join one of those. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what, what's there. I, you know, I, I have a hard time with um, conferences. Um, what I mean, like I love going to conferences for networking, talking to people, learning things from people when you can sit down and talk to them and stuff. Um, and then you just meet the craziest people. The last conference I went to was down in Miami and I'm literally sitting in lunch on a couch and John Romero, you know, one of the guys that, from id software that created doom and Wolfenstein. So he just walks up and sits down next to me. So it's like, I love conferences for that reason, just because you get to meet cool people and talk to them. But a lot of these sessions and stuff, I struggle with um, like, okay, this is just, I could have watched this on YouTube. Um, Yes. You know, um, and I could have watched it on 4X speed and been done with it in like 15 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, I think that up in the iOS days, that's what it was great. It was great for the hands-on. And when you hit like 30 minutes with an expert there, that's what it was for because everything else, all the content event eventually was published. Right. So mm. I think conferences, yes, are for the people um, the food is always horrible, to be honest. Like <laughs> in general, right? right? Like it's it's not good. Um, but it's usually the people, and then if you get to those sessions where they're actually working on a use case, because everything else is just prepared demos and whatnot. Um, you might have find a few sessions where somebody's going to explain like something complex, but yeah, it's all about the people. And if you get a chance to do some hands-on with an actual problem that you have, then uh, I think it's, that's what it's worth it. Uh, but it's good. Yeah. It was, I had fun. It was a good day. Um, there was nobody from my team going in there, uh, which was, it was by myself. So I talked to a few people. Again, there was a lot of enterprise and service integrators and things like that. Um, so there wasn't much on that realm, but it was, it was an interesting day uh, for sure. Cool. Good. All right. I'll, I'll, yeah, send me those links. You can drop them in the podcast thing too. I, I'll look at them and um, we'll see. Hopefully they'll come down to Miami sometime. <laughs> yeah. I don't see anything in Miami. It, it's interesting. Like it's a lot of world locations, not a lot of U.S. locations. Um, true. San Francisco and New York. That was it. Yeah. Um, mm. Cool, man. Um, so it's always good. It's a good for uh, thing for us to get started with. Uh, we definitely have a ton of experiments around uh, AI, and this is just background for our next episode. So, uh, Rick, thank you. It's always fun, man. Yeah, man. It's good seeing you. See you next time. All right. Until the next one. <laughs>